Episode 33 Givers were storming the gates of Christmastown. It was December 1st. The contest winners had been announced yesterday, and the town had officially opened for move-in day. As promised, 5,000 households were admitted, a total of 24,287 people. But at least that many people had arrived already, and a large portion of them were not supposed to have come at all. At all six entrances, haphazardly parked cars and moving vans jammed the lanes. People streamed out of vehicles brandishing credit card statements, molly dolls, their own children. Cops in riot gear pushed them back from the security gates. On the other side of the boundary, mobile command units, like huge, unfestive RVs, formed a final barrier. The police had made dozens of arrests already. Helicopters circled above the fray. The big ones were Christmastown security, the others media. Jackie, sad to say, had anticipated all of this. CED may have been a game, as Harry had said, but certain people had proven themselves extremely poor losers. They were the sort she had hired the wall of men to deal with. They had killed the little maple tree in the Majeski's front yard. They'd hacked chunks of vinyl siding off the bungalow. They had clawed Molly's legs that horrible afternoon in Van Nuys and stolen her coat. Jackie had begged Harry to ensure that Christmastown was fully prepared. So, thanks to Jackie, this assault would ultimately fail. It was only a matter of time. Still, it appalled her, this outraged and groveling humanity. The CED system really did screen the wrong people out. One needed only to witness the behavior of those with the proper credentials, waiting patiently as the police cleared a path for them. They'd followed the procedures, done their duty, and now humbly claimed their reward. Jackie sighed with relief as she realized that once they lived among winners only, she could at last dispense with the wall of men. She and Harry watched the spectacle on a bank of monitors at police headquarters inside City Hall. The feeds came from tiny cameras embedded in the dome, so powerful they could focus on individual faces nearly a quarter mile beneath them. More cameras, along with microphones, swiveled above the gates and atop officers' helmets. The mics picked up the cries of the crowd. Look at my statement from last month. I was in the 99th percentile and I've increased my giving twofold since then. There's no way I didn't make it. We've already sold our house back in Texas. Where's Molly? She'll help us. We sent her a bathing suit and she wrote a letter to us personally. She knows us. Jackie recognized Shelley Thayer waving a sheaf of statements in a cop's face. I'm in Jackie Majeski's giving group. She promised me two weeks ago that I was a shoe-in. Had she promised? Jackie tried to recall. She must have said something like, I'm sure you'll make it, but she had said that to everyone. The purpose of giving groups was to provide support. At their final meeting before the announcement, Jackie had wanted to offer everyone hope, regardless of standing. In the end, Jackie always chose hope over truth. Two officers placed Shelley in bright pink plastic handcuffs and escorted her into a command vehicle. Jackie nodded with sober satisfaction. The police and their guns, like the dome itself, didn't just keep the wrong people out. They shored up the hearts of those inside the dome, which were subject to softening. The crowds dispersed after a couple of days. The losers, not the official term, had exhausted their energies. They headed into the country's vast interior, or perhaps returned to their previous lives. Of course, many had already erased those lives, quitting jobs, uprooting children from their schools, and settling scores that would otherwise have remained in flux. In their hearts, Jackie thought, they had to know it was all for naught. Winners had received packets by registered mail containing computerized ID badges which would be scanned at the gate. Those without them had no hope whatsoever of getting in, yet huge numbers had come anyway convinced they were, despite the metrics, the exception. Their quest embodied a certain nobility, that special American optimism that carried with it a belief in miracles. 
That optimism would pay off eventually, Jackie told herself. Christmastown, too, was officially under construction in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Once at peace, Christmastown basked in its own glory. The temperature was a heavenly 72 degrees every day. When the sun shone outside, the dome stayed clear, and the Christmastown sky was the actual crystal blue of the Mojave. If more than a predetermined number of clouds appeared, the dome turned the same color blue to blot them out, and an artificial sun made a timed arc across the vault. Then, whether real or simulated, the desert sky at night presented the greatest planetarium show on Earth. In those early days, the winners spent most of their time outdoors simply marveling. Jackie passed them on the multipurpose trail that looped through town. She had taken up running again. Pastor Mike, heading toward her on his bicycle, dinged his bell and waved. Jackie waved back, her pace quickening with a certain pride. She felt like the fisherman who'd landed the big one. She had worried Mike would disapprove of CED as a form of works righteousness. But as it had turned out, Mike could not resist a competition. His urge to win was so strong he had even forgiven Jackie for interfering with his attempt to heal Molly. He had shown up at every giving group meeting, calculator in hand, and never even mentioned that Jackie had stopped coming to church. Truth be told, she had not yet made it to his new church in Christmastown either. She simply had too much to do. Well, there was another reason. Now that she actually lived here in Christmastown, Mike's promises of heaven had come to seem a little paltry. Heaven represented an end, a vague, pale place, where untroubled people did nothing but worship God. Whereas Christmastown, Jackie had to think, was a beginning. Thousands of people, their character honed by the unflinching fires of consumer capitalism, had joined together in one inspiring place. Who knew what this new, superior civilization might accomplish? The winners might cure cancer. They might solve world hunger or invent an entirely new form of music. They could build a rocket ship and reach the stars. By contrast, heaven looked, well, like people sitting on their asses smiling. Or like death. Hi there, Pastor Mike, she called out as they passed. Beautiful day, isn't it? Mike shouted. Like all the winners, he always tacked on that, isn't it, at the end. The tick reflected amazement bordering on disbelief. Can every day really be this beautiful? The winners asked themselves. Or, perhaps more to the point, will I always be here to say beautiful day? The answer to both questions was yes, provided, of course, that they remained givers in good standing. Coming to Christmastown did not mean leaving the requirements of CED behind, far from it, but maintaining their status would present no problem for the winners, who were here because they loved giving above all. For them, not giving would have been like not breathing. Footnote. This remains the case today. By now, former winners have scattered far and wide and are not always easy to identify. They rarely even recognize themselves as part of a distinctive movement. To them, their practices seem as ancient and basic as the wheel. Anthropologists have recorded interviews with some of the original residents of Christmastown, and their mercantile homilies sound so much like English they seduce the researchers into an illusion of comprehension. The professors scurry back to campus to transcribe the recordings only to see their meanings dissolve as soon as they hit the computer screen. The scholars shake their heads in baffled admiration. Once again, the winners have told them nothing. In fact, it was officially Jackie's job to keep these faithful and trusting winners safe and sound so their giving could go on unhindered, because Jackie was now Christmastown's mayor. Harry had quietly considered the appointment for months, but Jackie's prescience about security matters had finally convinced him. Unfortunately, her instincts remained necessary. Christmastown still faced a weak but constant threat from would-be interlopers. Some demanded entry for political reasons. These people knew perfectly well they hadn't won. Most had never even signed up for CED in the first place. Nevertheless, they filed lawsuits. 
CED, the suit said, discriminated against those whose cultural traditions did not include the celebration of Christmas. Jackie could not believe the inanity. CED discriminated only between the truly generous and the less so. People had a choice. They could either give or not. Soon a tent city sprang up at the edge of Christmastown's land. Most of the town's guest workers took up residence there, as traveling to and from their real homes proved too arduous. Primarily landscapers and nannies, they carried ID cards with chips that alerted the authorities if they stayed inside the dome after their shifts ended. But already some workers had been caught holding cards with altered or disabled chips. And so, due to these factors, Jackie quietly stepped up surveillance. She hated having to do this. It felt like the wall of men all over again. Still, she had the dome's precision cameras programmed to record all public activity and ordered the bank of monitors to be manned day and night. She increased the number of foot patrols inside and outside the dome. She authorized security personnel to stop anyone who looked suspicious and demand, in the nicest possible tone, identification.